Welcome to the Habibi Life Podcast, where we share practical advice to help you live an abundant life. Our goal is to help you fall in love with yourself by providing information and inspiration to help you reach your highest and healthiest potential. This is Episode 5, Intuitive Habits for the Emotional Eater. If you've ever heard some fitness or wellness person talk about intuitive eating and felt completely lost, we have some comforting news. Most people, including many experts in the nutrition and fitness field, have no idea how to practically apply the concept. So they ask you to employ a list of mental feats to somehow develop intuitive eating habits. By design, intuitive eating is abstract. Its intention is to disrupt diet culture and remove the shame of harmful practices like binge eating or starvation techniques. It's rooted in forgiveness, self-love, and self-acceptance. But if you actually research the principles of intuitive eating, you'll find a list of mind-over-matter ideals that may or may not interpret in an objective and practical way. Because of this, it can be easy to give up on intuitive eating and decide that it only works for a lucky few who can magically listen to their bodies and maintain a healthy and balanced lifestyle. We are here to change that. The purpose of this podcast is to demystify, disrupt, and destroy abstract concepts about health and wellness that constantly keep you on the outside looking in. So before you run out and buy another book or hire a health coach to teach you all about intuitive eating, turn up the volume and let's break this thing down. The first thing you should know is that intuitive eating is not a diet. That said, the practices can be used for the purpose of reaching a balanced physical and emotional state. Because perpetrators of intuitive eating are so deeply anti-diet, they tend to skirt around this reality. They may encourage you to run away from anyone who uses intuitive eating practices to maintain a certain physical or emotional state. The problem is that this discouragement can shame the user into feeling less than if they want to use intuitive eating to do something like lose weight. This dismissive attitude is just as harmful as any diet that doesn't magically transform your body. Often, the disconnect between food and our bodies is further distorted by emotion. So suggesting that a person feel bad for wanting to try intuitive eating for a less than lofty goal is just as problematic as telling them to eat only grapefruit to lose 20 pounds and then being surprised and disappointed when it doesn't work. We're here to tell you that you can do what you want. Seriously, if you want to use intuitive eating to lose weight, do it. If not, then don't. Like every other practice in the health and wellness sphere, intuitive eating is a tool. And the more we remove emotion from concepts of health and wellness, the more we are able to find clarity in our minds and our bodies and see a practical way to our highest and healthiest potential. The first thing intuitive eating asks you to do is listen, then filter through harmful rhetoric and identify what you actually need to thrive. The way that you listen has a lot to do with the way you identify with food. If you are a practical eater, this process might be pretty straightforward. But if you are an emotional eater, it can be tough to filter out the noise and find out what your body is actually asking for. Let's start with the practical eaters. 
If you simply see food as a tool to get you from point A to point B, eating intuitively may come easy for you. If you're hungry, you eat. If you're not, you don't. If you're tired, you eat energizing foods. If you're overly hyper, you eat grounding foods. You identify what your body needs, feed it accordingly, and move on with your life. This practice works very well for a segment of the population, and to them we say, kudos. But for millions of others, eating is more emotional than anything else. It can be tough to navigate choices from one eating episode to the next. This lack of consciousness in eating can lead to feelings of hopelessness and desperation and force you to race to the nearest diet that promises the most fantastic results, physical and emotional costs be damned. So for the emotional eater, intuitive eating takes consciousness, effort, and practical steps to help you stay balanced and clear about what you're eating and why you're eating. The emotional eater may have real trouble distinguishing between a craving and the thing that their body is intuitively asking for. The best way to navigate this sometimes challenging exercise is to start with a series of questions. For the purposes of this exercise, we are going to use cake as the craving. Because seriously, who doesn't like cake? So let's say you want cake, as in now, right now. And we're not even talking about wanting cake because it happens to be in front of you. We're talking a full-on raging craving that threatens to take over everything if you don't get that cake. Okay, the fastest way to disconnect from this craving is to start with a list of questions. The first being the most obvious. What do I want? The answer is, of course, cake. That's the craving. That's what the mind is asking for because it's decided that cake is going to make everything better. The next question is, why do I want it? The answer is because it's delicious. Duh. Yes, that is the most obvious and emotional response. But that's not the whole truth. Your mind wants cake and has decided that it's delicious. Your body wants sugar and maybe some fat. And that is biological, not emotional. So let's keep going. Okay, my body wants sugar. Why? The answer is because sugar gives you that ever-satisfying dopamine hit by stimulating the pleasure centers of your brain. This is one of the many reasons that so many people equate a sugar-free existence with misery and why sugar is so addictive. So, we know you want sugar, And we know why you want sugar, so let's take it even further. What happened to trigger this craving? This is a big one because it puts us firmly in the center of the emotional eating storm. Typical emotional eating binges are triggered by either an event or lack of an event. The surrender to the craving is a defense mechanism to keep us distracted from the root of the craving. So what happened? Maybe something, maybe nothing. Maybe you didn't get the job or promotion or romantic text or number of social media likes that you wanted. Maybe someone that you admire or even dislike appears to be getting all of those things rather quickly and easily. And that has triggered an episode of self-loathing or general dissatisfaction with your current circumstances. Let's pause for a moment and realize something. 
All of this time you've been asking yourself questions? You have not been consuming cake. How much time has passed since the initial craving hit? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Maybe longer? The point is, by asking questions and navigating what your body is truly asking for, what you have not been doing is giving into the craving and emotionally eating. Exploration is one of the simplest ways to address a craving head on. It can be used in both emergency and non-emergency situations. Taking the time to ask the questions about why you have the overwhelming need to eat your feelings can be a great tool in your quest for physical and emotional balance. But we're only part of the way there. You still have to figure out how to deal with the need for sugar. Because let me tell you something, deprivation is not it. Addressing a craving head-on is not the same as denying a need. If you get into the habit of regular deprivation, it will just come back to haunt you. This has been proven again and again, and it is one of the primary reasons that diets don't work. So we know that the cake craving is more mental than physical, but we also know that the need for sugar is a real thing. Because no matter what anyone tells you, Sugar is not the enemy. In the quest for neat little nuggets of digestible information and a potential need to sell you on a diet plan, thousands of know-it-alls make blanket claims about what is good and what is bad for you. While we can all agree that refined and processed sugars are the devil, we also know that sugar that occurs naturally alongside fats and fibers are not a bad thing. That's because natural sugars, when manifest in fruits, vegetables, and legumes, disperse in the body over time. Processed or refined sugars have been isolated and give you a sweet jolt all at once. That traps you in a cycle of craving to continuously consume sweet things. The more refined sugar you consume, the more refined sugar you need to consume. It's a never-ending cycle. And it may be part of the reason that we currently find ourselves in the middle of a cake craving attack. So let's get on with it. What kind of sugar can we put in our bodies to deal with this thing? Fruit, of course, is the obvious answer. But we all know that if you want cake, there is no piece of fresh fruit on this earth that is going to cut it. Fruit is wet and not as sweet and can be annoying if you're feeling like cake. So let's set that option aside. In high sugar craving cases, we have found dates to be a real lifesaver. Dates are sweet, full of fiber, and take their time making their way through your system. Unlike other dried fruits, which can have added sugars and dyes, we're looking at you, dried papaya, dates boast a low glycemic index. They also have a healthy dose of vitamin B6 and iron. Dates come in a bunch of different varieties, some sweeter than others. I am a personal fan of Ajwa dates, which are rich and chewy. I also love Deglet Noor dates, which are not as sweet and on the drier side. What kind of date you choose is up to you. And if dates alone are not enough, Consider cutting them up and mixing them with any variety of crushed nuts and just a sprinkle of sea salt. That way you get a protein hit and a little sodium to balance it all out. So this is all fine and good, 
But what if you didn't pause to ask the questions and just went for all of the cake? What if you are now in a post-consumption coma, questioning your life choices and beating yourself up and potentially either reaching for more cake or something salty to balance out your taste buds? Listen, we know how this goes and how fast it can go downhill. So take a breath and find some grace for yourself. Okay, let's say you already did the thing and you're left with every feeling except the initial craving. You can also intuitively course correct. That means you can start to get your body back on track by counterbalancing all of that sugar. The fastest way to do this is with water. Lots and lots of water. Okay, wait a minute. Because suddenly there are visions of you guzzling a gallon of water. Please don't do that. Instead, sip water over time and allow it to move through your body. Guzzling a bunch of water might actually make you sick and then we're back to square one. It's extremely important to remember something. You are not punishing yourself for the cake by drinking water. You are simply balancing your body. So sip the water thoughtfully and allow it to do its job. You can also help balance your body with unsweetened herbal teas. Peppermint or ginger teas are wonderful ways to help soothe your mind and your gut. Just like the water, small, thoughtful sips are the best way to introduce teas to your insides. Another way to balance your body over time comes from eating lots of leafy greens and other fresh vegetables. The thing about cravings is that they do tend to fade as you spend less and less time giving in to them. While the need for sugar might remain, the need for refined sugar can eventually become a passing thought. The best way to put distance between yourself and a craving is time and consistency. This is why intuitive eating requires consciousness, which is quite the opposite of emotional eating. Like most things in life, intuitive eating takes practice. The more you bring consciousness into your eating habits, the more likely you are to make choices that best serve your physical and your emotional health. Some practical ways to encourage intuitive eating include planning your meals ahead of time with consciousness and care. That can mean actually getting excited about what you're going to eat and looking forward to enjoying that time with your food. Also, take the time to slow down and enjoy your food with no distractions. So turn off the phone, maybe turn off the TV, and really take the time to digest and experience what it is to eat really good food. Finally, you can journal about how you feel when you eat and how it feels after you eat. You don't have to journal about your food choices and feelings forever, but it is a good way to understand what's happening emotionally. Think of intuitive eating as a tool rather than a miracle cure. It will still take time and work to incorporate it into your life. Over the long term, it can be a valuable asset to help you make choices that both balance your physical and your emotional self. The more you learn about your body and what it is asking for, the more you can be empowered to make informed choices about exactly what you need to thrive. One side note, I know we picked on cake in this episode. 
Cake is not the enemy. It was just an example of a popular item that can answer a craving. There are plenty of ways to make cake without refined sugar or even flour for you gluten-free types. Seriously, use the internet for something other than celebrity gossip and see what you can find. People have been experimenting for years on the best way to make the healthiest confections, and many of them are more than eager to share their findings with you for free. So set up a search and see what you come up with. You do not have to be a prisoner in your own mind or body when it comes to cravings. Learn the best ways to answer that craving call and keep doing your best to be conscious about what you feed yourself. We hope this information was helpful. And if you'd like to learn even more, please be sure to download the latest issue of Habibi Life magazine. It's full of tips, advice, and even a few new recipes that are perfect for the autumn season. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next episode.